Kudu here. Listen to Safari. Bits and bites from the bush. Wilderness wise with eco training. Afternoon, I'm Ross Hawkins, eco training instructor. Just a little bit about birds of southern Africa. There's it's exclude or including sort of vagrants, those that have visited our shores for maybe a month or two incorrectly by reverse migration where they've arrived here instead of going back home for instance. You sort of around it's it's around nine hundred and seventy-three uh, birds that have been recorded in southern Africa. So quite a quite a diversity if you look at world population of around nine and a half thousand, close to ten thousand birds. So almost ten percent of the world's birds can be found in southern Africa. So quite a quite a nice group and quite a large size if you think of from a guiding point of view of everyone goes out looking for five animals being the big five but now of which then if you go I like to look at it of there's 243 mammal species in southern Africa so birds three times four times that number yeah it's this makes for a nice colorful group to go looking for um, so it's certainly from a game drive point of view it's they you'll find them anywhere and everywhere all it is is just a matter of stop and listen in that regard um, so why birds um, it's yeah they're, they're a fascinating animal in what the activities they get to certainly there's the very colorful ones i mean the rollers obviously would come to mind of anyone looking for lilac breasted roller uh, in particular bird is just I mean it's just pure shouting color uh, to to yes the species where during winter the males are very drab brown whereas in summer they examples of weavers they lovely yellow black masks and just really looking bright and colorful or the paradise widers with these long plume um, tail feathers so very sort of attractive animals to to look at i mean yes even the derogatory term maybe but lbj's little brown jobs maybe these and there's it's quite a big very broad group of birds a lot of them uh, pipits and larks and cisticulars that just one looks like the other one and then but certainly for for the novice it's something to maybe try and decipher the difference between them but even even sometimes an expert will sort of look at them and go okay which one is which uh, that part I don't really get into it's a sort of not quite at that at that level but even another group the warblers which are also quite difficult to distinguish in the field um, so you'll you'd maybe if you if you're sort of on a part of a bird survey of actually catching birds is, is measuring wing length or number of flight feathers and and so forth but that's kind of yeah it gets a bit in depth but um so yeah in a nutshell why is just the colors the intrigue and just what they get up to and where you can find them so why birds also in different beak designs different um, shapes and size in terms of a swifts if you a lot of the time you don't end up actually looking up swifts and swallows and martins a very special group of spine tails especially in the Makuleka area of where are you not going to find birds and also just the 
almost the curiosity. Uh, I think it's it's not so much anything else other than being curious about what else is out there. And then the one big thing is, as you get into it, the sounds in just cacophony of sounds that birds make and so forth. So, which is going to be yeah to try and sort of learn those is is quite it's a, a long process. But it's the nice part is it's ongoing. So it's nice and rewarding when you do sort of finally figure out something. I mean, what is there to know about sounds and, and what have you? It's just listening. Just listening to the bird, looking at the bird. And so it goes, just continuously until somehow it slots in. Oh, how long will it take? You never know in that way. So bird calls you can sort of up to I mean contact calls so partners trying to find each other territorial yes male sitting screaming his lungs out the top of a, of a bush trying to let every other male around know and also uh, right okay I've got this turf covered girls come on over so finding prospective mates discouraging um, other males and their partners sort of coming in also aggressive calls in right trying to chase away a predator or even distress of calling in the help in um, birds come across a snake I mean a snake is instinctively something that yes consumes eats birds so they would certainly try and chase it away so they'd call in a whole group of species almost of a bird party coming in and just mob the bird oh sorry mob the snake or even a, an owl, a bird of prey. So birds would come in and, and use calls to sort of rally the troops. And say, right, come, help me chase this, this predator away. And the more attention you draw to it, the less chance it can hunt you and the less chance it can hunt your progeny or anyone else's progeny in that way. So it's, it's just a, a means of everyone ganging together in that way. And then certainly those, once the male's drawn attention to the girl and right to himself, then right, he needs to woo them in. So courtship uh, calling of actually just sort of don't I sound good. Um, so he still needs to impress with uh, his sort of tally of sounds. And she needs to decide, well, okay, he's quite loud and proud. So therefore if he's that loud and he draws so much attention to himself he can probably withstand any any predators trying to get hold of him because they can certainly hear him as well but he's still alive so he must be strong enough to look after himself and avoid predators in that way um, when it comes to trying to sort of memorize birds it's that's again it's going to be an, an ongoing process where the more you look, the more you see of going into different areas. When you start looking at birds in new areas, they, they potentially are going to be that new. And then trying to identify them. And then the more time you spend in that area, and the more time you end up looking at those birds, then slowly but surely they start to make sense. And you start to pick up one or two, and then from there, so it expands. Then, so there's no set way of just other than just go out and enjoy them get a good pair of binoculars and just go and look I mean you can I don't consider myself a twitcher but just a twitcher someone who has to go and maybe sort of tick and is mad crazed to go and right get this bird or that just go out there and, and just sitting in sitting in a nice quiet place and just listening to and, and watching birds yeah that's sort of the nice part about it on that side so with all that is the more that you look the more the memory sort of starts to store those images in that way 
But another nice way of sort of helping is memorize is using birding for a sort of, you could say, conservation good. So for instance, there's an ongoing project called SABAP, Southern African Bird Atlas Project. Um, so the acronym is SABAP, S-A-B-A-P, and the number two. It's a project started around 2007 with the intention of mapping the entire Southern African region. It started South Africa and became Namibia, Botswana, Zimbabwe, um, Lesotho, Swaziland, and Southern Mozambique. And then with the aim of the, the entire area is divided up into pentads of five by five degrees. And then building up a data list of these. So of just going into wherever you are. Um, and I mean, nowadays, all of this is done electronically. There's the, the Bird Lasser app. Um, it's also free for download on Android and, and iPhone. And very simple and easy to use. I mean, you'll know just using the app what pentad you're in and just literally you're just logging birds so then so from the memorizing is you see it you log it and you see it again you kind of so it works every a card is is done over a case of five days for minimum two hours and you're just recording birds as you see them all of it is the aim of part of citizen science of just adding towards an understanding of what birds are in area and then this also helps understand how birds are moving through areas utilizing areas staying in areas migrants that come into an area when they come when they arrive when they leave and then are they seen frequently are they infrequently the duration so in other words over five days i mean yeah i mean it's always a good thing to sort of the longer the list the better but then over time, if you do two, three, four, five cards, and then you can start to see for yourself when a certain bird, when you're seeing a certain bird, is it very common? Are you seeing it to the first, second bird that you, um, that you log? Or are you seeing it as the last bird you log for that card? And then from there, you can actually gauge for yourself is when and how often you actually see those birds. And then all that information is all just going to a national database of just being able to, by using just anybody who doesn't have to be an absolute birding fanatic, but just someone who's got an interest in birds and then using that interest for, for the better of conservation. So using, so in saying that a bird is endangered, how do you know until you go and find it? Or how do you know a bird is scarce or common in an area until it's sort of, the, the information gets logged through? And then also in today is the, the website sabap2.org.adu.za and there is you can actually just go and search for a particular species and then that when that species comes up on a let's say a Google map of the of the region and you can see exactly where the bird has been recorded and that also that information changes daily because obviously with the more atlases there are then the more birding information comes out so the more that people atlas a particular pentad the more information of that pentad and the more the more that you can start seeing so when you go into a new area and you just call up uh, if you know the area you're in you can look for the, the pentad in that area and immediately you've got a bird list that you can sort of work with and then you can then add your bit to that pentad so you're actually adding something to for the good of conservation um, 
because then with information comes better decisions and better decisions becomes better in terms of conservation and you know exactly what's what's there and what's not and okay why is it declining what's happening and then from there there can be a, a knock-on effect to other species as well be it for example a hummocorp if it increases um, it's it's sort of moving changing uh, from area to area it's then been found that for example that the its main diet which is platanas they're moving so the hummocorp moves according to the platanas so then hummocorps moving now realize the platanas are moving so it makes for a more informed decision of okay what's affecting the platanas why are they moving so there's a whole knock-on effect of um, information that's all gleaned thanks to all those records of hummocorp for example in that way so that's just one way of yeah adding towards the memory um, of, of saying okay I've sort of seen this bird here here and here what made it stick and, and, and along that line with regards to yeah, giving something back for conservation in that regard that. for more audio safaris visit kuduhere.com